welcome back. Richard, it's, it's already the start of the last week of uh, January. And, <laughs> was it uh, you the other day who said, it's already the third week of January. It's like we just had New Year's Eve or something. You know? I know. It's, time, is, time is going by quickly. Um, and, and so many things have happened. Uh, so many things are going on just in this first, just in this first month of the new year. Right. Um, so many things have been happening. And, um, you know, some of it's uh, politically, politically based. Some of it is um, pandemic based. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we're going to talk about a, a very interesting report that has come out um, in, a, in a couple of, from a d- couple of different sources over the, over the last few weeks, um, talking about mm-hmm. mental health and sort of the consequences um, from the pandemic as it relates to mental health in kids. Right, especially uh, school-aged children. Right. Yeah, these numbers are, are fascinating. Right. So, yeah, so th- this, this um, you know, we, we talk about, we talk about keeping, mostly in the news you hear about schools need to reopen. You know, we have to get kids back to school. And um, d- uh, there are different reasons why we want to do it. But when you read these articles about the mental health implications of um, kids not being in school, it right. is really alarming. And I was not, I was not a proponent of opening schools because I was convinced that, that it was going to make things infinitely worse. Right. It hasn't been as bad as, as we had predicted. And so um, from a mental health standpoint, though, um, these kids who are not in school, who had uh, pre-existing mental health conditions, this has really been a significant struggle for them. Absolutely. And, and I think it's... Um, one of the articles, in fact, one of the articles in t- is titled Partly Hidden by Isolation, Many of the Nation's School Children Struggle with Mental Health. And that's exactly what's happened. Um, because we don't see them, because we're not aware of it, uh, children and their families are struggling um, with mental illness. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and we'll, we'll dive into some of this in a, in a few minutes, but, um, you know, We've talked so many times before on the podcast about the importance of um, relationships and, and that socialization right, for right. us as, you know, just as humans, mm-hmm. um, how important that is. And so, especially in, in young, young kids, uh, but, you know, once they reach middle and high school, that social relationships and that social engagement is critical to healthy development. And, right. and you're absolutely right when, when that's, when that's removed, um, there's a there's a lot of consequences, and sometimes we don't see those consequences until much later. Right, um, and, right. and it may be difficult to make that connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we when we make a close look at everything, yeah, it's 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 not not very good. Right. Yeah. And so we have a we have a worsening crisis. But when 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 people talk about a worsening crisis, um, mental rates of mental illness were increasing prior to the pandemic. Right. And when you and I used to do talks a few years ago, we routinely said about 5 million um, students um, uh, had um, mental illness. Now that number is closer to 8 million uh, children between the ages of 3 and 17. Right. So we know well, rates are going up. That 5 million figure comes from the fact that there are about 50 million Right. Uh, school-aged children, mm-hmm. and when we think about mental health conditions, about 10% or so um, uh, of, of kids, of, of all of us, 
uh, would meet criteria for a mental health condition that significantly influences or affects our um, our overall functioning. Right. Right. So, so that's it would take yeah. five million would be the statistical estimate. Right. So those numbers were increasing prior to that, and yeah. um, we knew that suicide rates, sadly, suicide rates um, had reached a record high uh, prior to the pandemic. Right. Um, it, it now suicide is the second leading cause of death in the 10 to 24 age group. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a, um, prior to just in 2019, there was a 40% increase in high school students reporting persistent feelings of sadness and uh, hopelessness than there was the decade before. And so these numbers were already increasing right. um, prior to the pandemic. And when, when um, experts began looking for the cause of this increase. Uh, they were looking at, at, at things like social media, mm -hmm. um, cell phones, uh, disconnection um, from real interactions, and importantly, a lack of sleep. So there were many different explanations for why rates of mental health increase, rates of mental health, mental illness were increasing. Right, and, and, and we would encourage any listener to go back and um, listen to some of our previous podcasts uh, about some of that because uh, especially you know do just do a search for social media because we we talked we, we had a couple of podcasts where we talked about you know the reality that um, some research has demonstrated that the more you use social media the lonelier the person yes. supports feeling and mm -hmm. so uh, and again there's a very tight connection between mental health issues, especially depression and anxiety and those kinds of things, mm -hmm. um, very close connection to those symptoms with loneliness. Right. Um, and so if you, the more you use social media, the lonelier you feel, and the lonelier you feel, the more depressed and anxious and, you know, the more you right. might struggle with those mental health conditions, right. it makes sense mm -hmm. that there's this increase that goes along with the increased use of social media. Right. And we know about lack of sleep and sleep deprivation and all that. You know, that goes without saying. So right. kids are not sleeping as much or as well as they once did. Right. And one and you forget that when a youngster has a mental illness, um, the the youngster and the family learns how to use community-based resources and especially schools to manage the mental illness. It's sort of, you know, we've said many times, school keeps you on schedule. You know, right. kids have to get up in the morning to go to school. So they have to go to bed at a certain time to get up at a certain time. Um, school really structures your life. You know, as much as we complain about um, education, the quality of education, boy, we've learned in this pandemic that it plays an incredibly important role in, in, in everybody's life. You know, uh, parents can work because their kids are in school. Um, right. And so, um, so school became this um, place where kids were able to go every day and see their friends and talk to teachers. And um, if kids were being abused, signs of physical abuse appeared at school. There were resources at school that kids could use if they were being bullied, if they were being abused, um, if they were struggling with anything. And suddenly that was all taken away. Right. And, and these kids and families who had been relying on school as a resource suddenly were without that kind of support. And it's had a devastating uh, effect. Right. On Here in Florida, there's, there's a 
system in place, you know, following the um, the school shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, um, there's a there's a new act um, here in Florida that provides some additional funding and resources, and but also created some systems that were put in place so that schools are informed whenever a student, um, a school age student, um, is Baker acted or is hospitalized mm -hmm. for mental health conditions, and it is it it is alarming. The number just in the school, you know, I only have a few schools that I have, I'm privy to information, but um, it is amazing the fact that even though there's more students at school in, in the school building, you know, mm -hmm. school setting, even though there's more students there, um, the vast majority of students that I've been involved with who were Baker corrected and everything, um, the vast majority of them are e-learners. Um, uh, there are students who were Baker acted or hospitalized from home mm -hmm. because of suicidal ideation and, and um, self-harming behaviors and things like that. So absolutely, um, you know, the concern is that when you removed, when, when, the, when the foundation and the stability and the consistency of school was removed, right. there was that initial, I, th I think a lot of students had that initial Yay! You know, I'm really yeah, glad yeah. that school's out. Where there's no school, I can stay home and you know play video games or whatever. Uh, right. But over time, it really has played a toll, uh, played a toll on on these kids' mental health. Right. Yeah, yeah, it really has, and and I think that was an un certainly an unintended consequence of closing the schools. It was also an unexpected yeah. um, consequence, and and I think what we've learned here is that of all these community resources, maybe none is more important. Than our public school, than our schools, you know, for, for what they provide for kids. Yeah. So we also have a worsening crisis now. We, we were already headed in, in the wrong direction, and now we have the pandemic. Yeah. And the pandemic has worsened everything for everybody, of course, um, and it's created some new problems. Um, the biggest, of course, was to contain the virus. We implemented three a three pronged approach. One, it was social isolation. Mm -hmm. um, became a problem, you know, with, and then loneliness because of the isolation, but then also changes in routine. Right. And I think this, the changes in routine, I think has affected almost everybody. Um, Absolutely. You know, people who don't go to work anymore. Absolutely. And I think that, um, <laughs> you know, people, I think many people underestimated what it meant <laughs> because uh, to be isolated at home or right. to, for, 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 you know, for all intents and purposes to homeschool your kids, right. you know, we are accustomed and, and this may be, um, <laughs> some people may not like to hear this. Um, we are accustomed to our spouses or our partners and our kids being away from us for about eight hours a day. That's right. Least. That's right. Um, and so now all of a sudden, when we're, when we're in the same home in the same small space <laughs> for 24 hours a day, and there's not really any way to safely get away from each other. Right. Um, that, that, that takes a big toll on people, um, not yeah. just the change in routine from of getting up in the morning and going to work and everything, mm -hmm. but just the, just the um, unending um, everything, <laughs> you know, the, the barrage of questions and behavior and everything else. It just doesn't end. We... What, what, we're going to make that point somewhere in this. Um, we, we talk about 
we grew accustomed to being away from each other for part of the day. You know, my kids would leave the house. Right. Everybody would leave the house. And we'd go someplace else. And then we'd come back and get to know each other again. And um, one of my older children, I was talking to him on the phone. And I said, imagine when you were a teenager, if you were stuck at home, <laughs> and I don't mean this in any way, but I said, imagine if you were stuck at home with your mother, because he lived with his mother um, for part of the time. And he said, I wouldn't have made it. He said, we, we would not have made it. Um, if we were stuck in the same house day after day after day, mm -hmm. it would have been a very difficult experience for both of us. Would have, would have driven each other crazy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It was the, this ability to leave every day mm -hmm. um, and get out and see your friends. Right. So, and again, you see, you see it between from parent to child, <laughs> but you also see it between the parents right. um, or mm -hmm. partners. Um, you know, it's, it's very different. People, right. it's very different to work with or to be with your uh, partner all the time. Yeah, um, sibling rivalry. You know, right. every day is like a Saturday. You know, they're, they're together and they're working on each other and they're fighting and arguing. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a huge problem. Yeah. Right? So you have social isolation, loneliness, but changes in routines. And then you have what happens, you know, on a, on a hurricane that, well, up north we had snow days, but at least you could go out and play in a snow day. You know, here everything's closed. You know, you have to wear masks. You have social distancing. Um, they closed down kids' activities. You know, dance classes, music classes, uh, gymnastics classes. Everything shut down. There was nothing for anybody to do. You know, you, you even if you wanted to leave your house, you there was no place that there was no place to go. Playgrounds were closed. Um, and you had online schooling and the social isolation that that, that brought, and um, so you have these kids who are struggling with emotional and behavioral difficulties, and they're kind of left to to struggle on their own to manage as well as they can on their own. Right. Yeah. And when you, when you talk to those kids, or you know, when, when we meet with them, um, you can hear it from them how how difficult it is to not have. The release or the the structure or the mm -hmm. um just the respite um, right. of distract by distraction alone uh from right. school and from you know classmates and things like that mm -hmm. now some kids when when this whole thing hit um they were they were happy to stay home no, oh, not just temporarily kids who were bullied at school mm -hmm. kids who had social interaction problems at school um they were happy Right. to stay home. Kids who have OCD, mm -hmm. kids who have phobias, um, they were more than happy to stay at home. And, and some of them have done much better being at home than they, than they did going to school. Although I'm not, I'm not sure that it was really in their best interest to continue to be isolated because many times those are the kids who need to get out and be more interactive. Yeah, and, and I've certainly seen some of those some students who would fall into that category at, at my at the schools that I work at because they um, they're just they're thriving. Mm -hmm. They had such right. difficulty in the school setting where right. you know, like the you know the school year before the the mm -hmm. 2019 2020 school year um, the first half of it anyways um, you know they would be sent home very often they would get in trouble there were lots of referrals and those kinds mm -hmm. of things. Uh, but then they go to e-learning and all of a sudden they're doing their work and you know they right. they they are it's much easier for them to to engage so right. um, absolutely 
yeah, much more to their liking. Um, but by and large, though, um, most students really have struggled. I think I think the biggest struggle was last year when things just shut down yeah. completely for the last nine weeks. I think that was really hard on everybody. Well, and I think it, I agree. It was really hard. And what it did, I think, for a lot of students, and, and not that this is directly related, though it, it, it is, but um, for a lot of students, what it did is it set a precedent, students and families, it set a precedent for what homeschooling would be like. Right. And, you know, right. in our area, for example, um, that last quarter of the 2019 2020 school year, mm -hmm. um, the expectations were <clears throat> almost nil. Right. Um, right. So, so the students, uh, in fact, there was a there was a policy that said that students in the fourth quarter there could not make a grade in any class lower than what they made in the third quarter. Um, and so a lot of students heard about that. And, um, you know, and, and it's because there wasn't a system here in place. And so we had lots of students who could right. not access education at all. Right. Um, and you had some that were, you know, it was continuing OK. Um, and so that whole quarter, there was very little work that most mm -hmm. students, many students had to do. And right. so it was easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they were playing video games a lot. They didn't have to check in very often. I think, right. I think for, for them to be counted present for the entire week, all they had to do was check in with the teacher like one time. Right. Um, so as long as they like clicked a check mark or they, they did an assignment or they, they emailed mm -hmm. the teacher or something, as long as they did it once a week, they were counted as present for the entire week. Right. Um, so the, the demands were very little. But then when this school year started, they were like, you know, I, I'm going I'm to keep doing this. You know, right. like, hey, this is easy to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but the expectations changed and returned back to, even if you're at home, the expectations are the same as if you were in class and you have to be face-to-face -face on the right. camera every yeah. day. And that that was that's been really difficult for a lot of students. That's right. That was a very different experience, and one that most students really began to chafe under that restrict more restrictive um, higher expectations. Yeah. And so, but what and you're right. What happened was um, in the last nine weeks of the last school year, school really got devalued. Right. And for kids who um, were sort of on that borderline between functioning and struggling. Um, once once the the structure of school was gone they kind of came apart right. because um they had been using that structure of assignments to do on a certain day and they're you know supposed to be in a certain place and there's a certain expectation when all that was taken away kids who needed that structure and we're not talking about kids who are necessarily mentally ill we're talking about kids who took school seriously who, and but who needed that structure how many times have, have kids said to you um, I, I need the structure of going to school every day. I need to be in the building facing my teacher. I, right. can, I can't do this right. uh, in a computer. It, it just, it's just so different. It's so vastly different that I just can't adjust to it. And as one parent said, we were a high achieving household that expected good grades. Now it's just pass and be well. Uh, grades really don't matter at all anymore. You know, and th these are kids who, some of these kids were high achievers. I, I've, we have all had um, youngsters, um, I think especially teenagers, but I'm sure it's affecting elementary school students who were really good students in the old system, in going to school every day system. They just couldn't make the adjustment to online schooling. 
they, they, they and their parents have opted to stay home for health reasons, right. but it's not been good educationally because they needed that structure. Right, and, and not just that it hasn't been good educationally, it's not good for a lot of kids, um, you know, developmentally. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, it, there's a, um, an interesting paradox uh, when we think about anxiety and development where um, when you have students with say um, social anxiety or kids with even kids with autism spectrum disorders and things like that, their social skills are deficit and they, they, they struggle mm-hmm. with social interactions. And so we think, oh, well, you know, homeschooling or distance learning would be ideal for them because they already struggle with the, with those social right. aspects. Well, all that does is perpetuate the problem. Right. You know, right. I mean, the treatment for social anxiety is to engage socially. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the treatment for the social mm-hmm. deficits associated with autism spectrum is to be social, to be with other people and to learn those skills, to build them. Um, and so while it may be intuitive to remove those kids from that stressful mm-hmm. um, stimulus, that stimulus is exactly what they need to get better. Exactly what they needed, right? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, not, and this whole thing has not been to their advantage at all. Right. And we all know, everybody knows that as kids migrated over the past decade after they migrated to electronics mm-hmm. and away from pers- uh, person-to-person interactions, um, we know that that's had a, 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 a negative effect right. on their ability to interact. Now we have this, which further isolates them, right. you know, uh, not only truly isolates them in their own homes and away from their friends, but um, we all know too that um, there's been an alarming increase in kids' uh, time on um, electronics. You know, there was an article published last week that's becoming a concern now because kids are at home. And kids must have their devices on in order to participate, mm-hmm. but there isn't a clear demarcation between home and school anymore. Right. There was a time when they went to school, they weren't with their video games. Now we've blended the two. For kids who are doing e-learning, um, there's no distinction between YouTube for school and YouTube for entertainment. And then it's, um, I wish I could, you know, people who are listening to the podcast wouldn't be able to see this, but I'll see if I can do it with my camera here. Um, I, I've, I've logged into classes in, so that I can do some you know, um, observations and stuff like that. And there will be students, I'm gonna see if I can move my camera so it does this, who will have their camera like that. <laughs> so you can't see the student's face. You have no idea what they're doing. Right. Um, but they, they show up as being logged in, mm-hmm. as being present, um, but they are, you can't see them. The teacher has no idea what they're doing. And, and a lot of those kids are playing video games. Um, I have friends who are teachers who say, you know, they will say something directly to the student. They'll even address the student directly. Right. And the student doesn't respond. Right, right. When you have a class of, you know, 20, mm-hmm. 25 students, you're not, uh, it would be very difficult for a teacher to monitor what each of those students is doing. I was working with a youngster the other day and he was doing exactly that. And you can see his eyes going back and forth, <laughs> obviously tracking something. And you could hear his, you could hear him typing. You could, yeah. hear, you could hear the keyboard clicking while, while we're talking. And I knew he wasn't paying attention to me at all. Yeah. He was completely absorbed in whatever was on the screen. And it wasn't me. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's a, um, and so when they're, when the students, like you said, is doing that all day long, there's no, there's no demarcation between home 
recreation right. and school. Right. Um, um, and, and some of the schools are really working hard to try to deal with that by, you know, mm -hmm. if, if that's the case or if, if students have their cameras off, you know, they're marked as absent um, or they're, you know, something happens. But, mm -hmm. you know, not all schools are doing that. And right. for teachers, even within the schools that are doing that, not all teachers are, you know, right. maintaining that simply because, it, you know, it's, it's hard enough to deliver your material. Right. While trying to monitor all that. Right. Yeah. So we know that, I mean, there, been, um, there was a review of studies, uh, meta-analysis of studies, mm -hmm. uh, focused on the isolation and loneliness correlated with increased depression um, in children and teens. So the, the research is in on that one, that this is really, uh, social isolation is really difficult uh, for kids. And it's more difficult for kids with who are um, struggling with mental illness or are more likely to struggle with mental illness. Yeah. Um, and then there's another dimension to this, and that's children who are in, we, we talk about students of color. Um, we know that the pandemic has hit uh, Black and Hispanic communities um, more than it has affected white communities, but it's affected um, communities in poverty, um, regardless of race, um, uh, because remember last year when we suddenly in one week had to move to online education and suddenly it dawned on us that 30% of our students didn't have computers or internet connections. Right. They literally physically could not do online education because they simply didn't have the equipment necessary to do it. Um, so that doesn't have, that has some racial uh, implications, but it's, it's largely about poverty as well as race. And then when you add the, the George Floyd thing and the Black Lives Matter um, movement, um, that too exerts. So, so you have the pandemic, it's affecting black and brown communities differentially. And then you have mm -hmm. the killing of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. And then January 6th occurs, okay? And you have the storming of the Capitol. Well, for a lot of kids, that is scary stuff to watch hour after hour to see the capital of the United States being attacked and destroyed by a mob. I mean, that's never happened in the hit bump. Well, it happened in 1812 or 1814, I guess, um, during the, uh, the second um, um, war with England. And, um, and, but it's never in history. And so you have all these events occurring, which is even more unsettling for kids who have trouble with the emotional regulation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it just, perpetuates because right. again um you know kind of going back to that uh what we, we talked about again on the previous podcast the the just the exposure of information because mm -hmm. students are 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 informed um right. through social media and everything of, of all these things they hear their parents talking mm -hmm. about all of these things right and, and then there's you know they create i guess we all create these microcosms when mm -hmm. um, all we do is, you know, to sort of ruminate with others, right? Perhaps virtually ruminate with others to perpetuate our own perspectives. Mm -hmm. So we take something that, um, you know, even if you take a small idea, if you keep, you know, ruminating over it and, and reviewing it and talking about it over and over again, that small right. thing turns into something really big, right. and 
again, just um, you're not when you don't have the opportunity to be exposed to other ideas, which is something that school does. Right. Um, right. You know, you 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 do have that risk of um, turning molehills into mountains. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, when you think of all that has happened in 2020, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, the election the storming of the Capitol, the, you know, all that stuff that's happened in the past 10 or 11 or 12 months and the way families are talking about these things, you know, and the, the unsettling effect that it must have on children. And then they don't get to go other places to get that other perspective, especially they don't, especially to school or um, athletic. Wasn't your, your coaching soccer, wasn't, that was shut down for a long time, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, it was, it was shut down for a long time. And um even within the school system here, um, they there were periods of the school year so far already mm-hmm. where they have completely shut down um, athletics uh, for right. a period of time. Um, so yeah, so kids aren't they're not doing not even doing that. Right. Um, and you got a feel for the teenagers who oh. are hoping that you know mm-hmm. athletics will help be their help to be their um, their pathway mm-hmm. to college or to a career. Right. And all of a sudden they can't play at this most critical time of their mm-hmm. of their athletic career. Um, they, they they can't play. And so how do you how do you get a scholarship? That's right. Many high schools didn't have football season in 2020. Right. Some did. So well, mm-hmm. when you think about here here in in our town, um, in Lakeland, we have a football program that is nationally mm-hmm. recognized. Right. Um and and they weren't able to play all of their games. Right. Um, and when they did play games, you know, they didn't have some of their best players, and they, might, they didn't perform right. nearly as well as as would be expected from their history. Right. Um, and so you think about those students again, who who, you know, my goodness, I know that this is this happens a lot in the South and in <laughs> Texas and some of the, some other states, but you know, mm-hmm. parents move to specific locations so that their kids will have those opportunities to play at some of the, some of these schools mm-hmm. because they know that that's going to be their best shot for their kid to, to have a career or to get to college. Um, and so families make these big commitments. That's right. And then because of a pandemic, you can't play. Right. And there were families who moved to Florida from other states so that their children could play football here because right. their town may have um, ended the season, decided not to have a season. And so parents moved to Florida or Texas where there was football so that their kids could play and, and get that chance at the scholarship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a, we have a, a pretty serious problem. Um, one of the things that, and one of the reasons these articles were written was to um, tell us that 20, there's been a 24% increase in emergency room visits for children with mental health issues. Um, that was a 24% increase comparing March to October of 2019 compared to March to October of 2020. Um, there's been a 31% increase for preteens and teens. So young children to teenagers. And what's happening is, <laughs> and well, well, I think that I think it's important to, to, to point out there to go back to your, your starting point, where we were saying that the, the the trajectory was already going up. That's right. So between March and October of 2019, it was there was already an increase. It was already increased. Mm-hmm. 
and and so in that same time frame, uh, just a year later, right in 2020, that trajectory was 24% higher. Right. That's so right. so it was already increasing, and now it's increasing at at an even greater rate. At a faster rate. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And what's happening, the, the effect of that is, is that hospitals are running out of beds for children and they're running out of beds in psych. We don't have, our country doesn't have um, an adequate supply of um, hospital beds right. or um, intensive inpatient facilities for uh, children and teens. It's, it's always been a problem. We never have had enough intensive inpatient services or facilities. Um, now those are exhausted. Um, we have filled them up. Right. And there are kids lying around in emergency rooms waiting for somebody to get transferred. Because what happens is they're, they're waiting for a hospital bed, but that means they have to get rid of somebody who's there, which means they have to find a place for that person somewhere. Right. And in Florida, it may mean that you're in a hospital in Lakeland and suddenly you're getting transferred to Tampa just to make space for this other person who's languishing in the emergency room or in a hallway waiting for a bed, okay? Right. The other thing that emergency departments noticed is that typically there's a slump in um, admissions in the summertime. Right. Uh, that slump didn't occur in 2020, okay? Uh, the, the numbers kept increasing throughout the year and there was no summer slump. Yeah, yeah, so, so there's, we haven't seen the, um, the similar patterns that we've seen in the past, uh, the, the things that tended to provide respite or um, you know, just some relief um, have not been present over the past year. Um, and we are getting up to, we're, we're approaching the one year mark, right? right. Everything's shutting yeah. down. We're, we're just a little, about a month and a half away from that. Right. So, yeah, and, and one of the people they cite in the article is, uh, happens to be a school psychologist uh, who works in Louisiana. And their school system had more reports of suicide threats, more um, assessments for suicide in the first half of this school year than they had for the entire uh, school year uh, preceding this one. And so, um, again, that's another indication. Um, uh, Las, Las Vegas, Nevada is in Clark County. Um, it's a, it's a large school district. It's, it's actually the fifth largest school district in the country. Um, and they lost 10 students um, and um, two graduates, so 12 students from 2020 to suicide. Um, they lost nine the year before. So again, um, we see that, um, we see this increase in really serious um, consequences of um, social isolation and the lack of structure. Right, well, and, and again, looking at those numbers, that was 12 students that they lost in the first half of this school year compared to nine in the entire school year before. That's so, right. Um, you know, if you continue that- If those numbers continue- Yeah, losing more than twice the number of students that they did- That's right, year. almost a factor of three. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, and so, when you when you think of the numbers, um, it, it 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 does raise really serious concerns. The other thing to remember, there there we we have this sort of a couple of other points. We put them under other factors um, for teens. 
their peers now are more important than their parents and their family. Right. Uh, that's where you connect. Um, and that's a normal developmental um, event is that your life now is revolving around your peers. When you can't see them, again, that's taken away. Right. And you're spending all this time with, um, with family members rather than with your friends. So not only do you not get a break from your family, that, that break that we talked about earlier where, you know, let's everybody get out of the house and get away from each other and then come back together. But you also are missing that critical social interaction where teenagers learn how to, how to interact with each other by being in a school setting, by being around other teens. Right. Um, imagine not being able to see, I mean, I can't imagine what it would have been like right. not to be able to go to school every day. Right. I yeah, mean, it, it's that. difficult to imagine right. um, what that would have been like. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, also, we talked about not having breaks from family members, but there's another thing, and that is that when students do come in for therapy, the infection control precautions really get in the way of establishing a therapeutic relationship. Um, doing this online is very different from doing it in person. Doing it in person with masks is very different from doing it in person without masks because you can't see a person's face. And as a species, we have come to judge the emotions of others by facial expression. Well, we've taken away facial expression by covering it with a mask. So it does interfere with um, therapeutic relationships. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, which makes, which makes therapy more difficult, which makes, you know, those students who are in therapy, maybe, you know, they tend to, or perhaps they're not benefiting quite as much as mm -hmm. they otherwise would. Right. Yeah, you don't want to take your mask off to, to show them that you're really, right. that you're really unconditionally supportive. But yeah. you really are tempted to do that. So I say, look, I really, I really appreciate what you're telling me right now, right. and and you can't do that. So it, it it impedes the therapeutic relationship, and and you're just not as effective as you might have been. Absolutely. Okay. And then, of course, the last um, issue is the whole issue of domestic violence right. and physical and sexual abuse. Um, you know, we know that we know that abuse, with all the tension and pressure, we know that. Um, um, the uh, incidents of abuse um, are increasing. Right. Um, and, but kids not going to school, kids not being out, um, being seen by their friends, being seen by their teachers, we're not, we're not as aware and, and rates are not, and it's not being reported. Right. So rates have declined. Uh, rates I've reported have, has, rates have declined. Um, we know kids are being abused, but nobody can do anything about it. Um, and there was a, a little anecdote here about a, a kid who was in a Zoom class, a student who was in a Zoom class, who I guess typed out, I don't feel safe in my house, uh, was the only way he could communicate to his teacher that things were not going well. Yeah, because, it, you know, the, um, it has been surprising um, in my time working in the schools, how mm -hmm. frequently it is that a student will report, and that's the only place that they report because of the connection they have with their teacher or someone else right. at school. You know, you, you, that's where you get that information. That's where you learn about some of these students who are struggling so much. That's right. Um, what, what would a 10 year, 10 or eight or nine or 10 or 12 year old kid do that it's, it's only by going to school 
They right. can't go anywhere else. They're not going to go to a police station or right. fire station. They, they go to school to report. Yeah. Or teachers see the see the signs of abuse, mm -hmm. uh, black and blue marks or cuts or scrapes or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, um, cutting, all, all those self-harming behaviors, mm -hmm. uh, they're hidden now. Kids are staying home and teachers aren't seeing it. So, um, and that's another huge advantage. So kids with mental health uh, really are, are, are isolated now mm -hmm. in, um, in ways that um, they hadn't been before. And it's making matters worse. So we have more mental health, more severe mental health issues. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so it is important to remember, you know, sort of the overall picture that we're trying to paint here is that, you know, th there is this massive issue that we're not, you know, we're really focusing on, you know, the the vaccine and the treatments and the numbers, you know, the prevalence mm -hmm. rates and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there is this silent um, tidal wave um, that we don't have not recognized that's that is coming right. and has hit in many places. Um, mm -hmm. That is this massive increase in in the mental health need. Um, right especially of children and teenagers um, in our communities. And we need to be paying attention to that. And parents need to be more as in tune with that as possible. That's right, yeah. Yeah, what, what the fear is here, I guess there are two fears. One is that now that we're aware of this, we're just, this is the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's so much more going on. We, we know about this because it's being reported. What about all those kids who haven't been in school now for a year? almost a, a full year that, yeah. that they have not been in a school building or be, or nor have they been seen by other adults. Um, and so the, we, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. Um, and the other thing is, is that these aren't going to disappear. Let's say schools completely reopen in, um, in the 21-22 school year. So um, by August of next year, uh, these problems are not just going to go away with the reopening of schools. They're gonna persist. Um, they're gonna persist across at least the next school year. Absolutely, yeah. And, we're, and it's, you know, this entire process, the entire experience of the pandemic is creating new problems um, mm -hmm. that we have only just started to see. Um, you know, I had a kid the other day that I was working with who, you know, presents with a severe anxiety whenever he sees someone not wearing a mask. <laughs> something that you know we would have never experienced never before. would have been an issue now all of a sudden you know he has these this this acute reaction whenever he sees someone not wearing a mask and so mm -hmm. yeah it's um there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of work to do as we right. recover from all of this you know i think about those kids who were doing well um and i we've all we've all seen these kids in our practice who were doing just fine getting really good grades and then the third, the last quarter comes and schools shut down and their grades drop and they haven't been able to re-engage adequately. And so their GPA, these are high school kids whose GPAs have really suffered and it's going to have long-term effects on their college choices and selections and what courses they take in the coming school year because they just, they've been underperforming for almost a year now. Absolutely, it's yeah. it's a travesty for, for many students. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Mm -hmm. yeah. All so, right, more bad news. No, it's, uh, we we need to be aware of this stuff. Um, the pandemic is the pandemic has tentacles everywhere, and 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 um, this is 
yet another tentacle that we need to be aware of. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that is it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.